Mike Elgin Radio. This is Mike Elgin, sheltering in place in Silicon Valley, California. It's been more than a month since I've recorded a podcast. We were in Mexico City and also in other parts of Mexico for the last month. And uh, it's been a weird time to be away from the United States. The coronavirus hadn't really struck Mexico at that point. There was a you know, fewer than 20 reported cases by the time we left. No one was social distancing. You started to see restaurants and places like that have hand sanitizer and employees wearing face masks sometimes. But for the most part, the country was not affected. We flew back to Los Angeles uh, uh, three days ago and then we drove from Los Angeles to Silicon Valley uh, two days ago, and I've been in self-imposed isolation like everybody else since then, and it's just a really weird time. The news is screaming about deaths and disease. Almost all of the news is about the coronavirus. There's a lot of fear and panic. Cities are being blockaded and shut down. Flights are being canceled. Uh, conferences, including and especially tech conferences, are being suspended. Even Google I.O. canceled their virtual version of Google I.O. There's going to be a huge economic impact. Statistically speaking, it's very likely that you personally will get the coronavirus at some point in your life. Uh, There's a reasonable two-digit probability that you'll get it this year. The good news is that for most healthy adults under the age of 60, uh, you will likely survive it. And for many people, the symptoms are actually pretty mild. The symptoms range from feeling a little under the weather all the way to needing to be hospitalized uh, and uh, being hooked up to a to a respirator. Um, but... The, the reality is that the world is not going to end. The self-quarantine movement, the business closure mandates, the dis- social distancing, medical equipment shortages, the daily rise in mortality from the virus, all these factors will start getting better at some point, probably in a few months. The economic downturn will outlast the actual coronavirus crisis, and that will last months or years, probably years. But in the very long term, you will survive. The economy will survive. But if you own a business or if you are a leader in a larger business, whether your business survives might be in part up to you. So this is the thing that I've been writing about in the Insider Pro publication, which is for technology professionals and for business leaders. We don't know which businesses are going to to make it. And there's going to be a big difference between the companies that do the wrong things and the companies that do the right things over the next few months. The main reason for all of the containment strategies of canceling flights, closing borders, postponing conferences is to slow the rate at at which people get the coronavirus because we don't have the hospital capacity to deal with too many sick people. 
when people get really sick from the coronavirus, they have to go into an into a intensive care unit. And the number of beds in intensive care units is actually pretty small. And if everybody needs to be in the intensive care unit, if, you know, many thousands of people need intensive care units, there aren't enough beds to go around. And that's what this is all about. And also to protect the lives of people who are older, who are sick, and uh, who may not survive the coronavirus, these, uh, these will be, this situation will be dealt with in the future with a vaccine, but we don't have a vaccine. Uh, the best way to deal with it right now is to have, is to test literally everybody frequently and then to take the people who test positive and quarantine them so that the people who test negative can go about their daily lives. But we don't have enough tests uh, for that. So right now we're just doing all these other things of self-quarantining. This self-quarantining business, keeping people away from each other, is a huge business problem. It's the business problem. Business is conducted by bringing people together. People come to work, they have meetings, they travel to meet with clients, they attend trade conferences, they interact on a retail level to buy things from companies. And this is what business is. And so the goal of business leaders is to keep business alive while simultaneously keeping people apart. And this is an almost impossible problem to deal with. Adding to the challenge for companies is that data security is going to be difficult. The coronavirus impacts organizational security in a whole bunch of ways. Um, in the, the rosiest point of view is that, um, is that it, it basically eliminates one major source of security risk, which is business travel. When people travel, they connect to insecure Wi-Fi hotspots, they go to countries where there's a lot of industrial espionage uh, and so on. So all of that is, has gone away as a, as a challenge temporarily for security uh, people in large organizations. Uh, but the, uh, the fact that so many people are working from home creates a new security challenge because, you know, what equipment are they using? What networks are they using? This is all out of the control of of people. I mean, we you know we, we basically double, triple, quadruple. I don't know what the what the ratio of people working from home now versus what it used to be is, but I do know that it happened suddenly, and uh, the IT departments didn't really prepare for it. The equipment people are using is probably their own home equipment, uh, which may or may not have malware on it already. So we don't really know what the security implications are just from people working from home. There's also a huge effort by, by uh, cyber criminals to exploit the virus. People are afraid, and so it's easier to fish people who are afraid. You can send a phishing email to somebody saying, oh, here's the cure for the coronavirus, or get your tax rebate that's related to the coronavirus, or you know, this is what you need to know about the coronavirus, and people will click on those links. Go to insecure websites, which will download malware, etc. And so that's happening at a massive scale, and that's going to get even more massive over the next few weeks as the cyber criminals, uh, you know, really get um, busy exploiting this crisis. The most counterintuitive advice I've been giving people in large organizations 
who are trying to, you know, they're basically gearing everything toward cost containment, is that they should expect to increase their IT spending. If you're at a organization and your company is like most large organizations and is dealing with this by saying, oh, we're going to cut everything across the board, you need to take this podcast or this message to them in some very conspicuous way because cutting costs for IT spending is the number one thing that will end companies during this crisis and spending intelligently on IT is the number one thing that will enable companies to survive. And here's why. Cost containment is being affected by replacing the physical with the virtual. That's how we contain costs. Video chat instead of business travel meetings and conferences. That means you'll spend a lot less on travel and meetings and a little bit more on video conferencing IT and the security that goes with it. Huge number of, of employees are going to work from home. Uh, this change is semi-permanent. Uh, I think a lot more people work from home after the pandemic than before it. But regardless, right now, lots of people work from home. That means there'll be a shift in spending from office space and all the things that go with it to remote work IT, right? In order to enable the people to work from home, you have to invest in the systems and security and the software and probably hardware that will enable that to work going forward. Uh, you can't just take all the savings from nobody working in the offices and then also cut IT because then you're, you're really going to be in trouble. More retails going online. Customer service interactions are going virtual. Social distancing means face-to-face -face interactions between your employees and your customers are way down and electronic interactions are way up. So you're going to spend more on IT. You want to spend more on security tools. You probably weren't quite as equipped as you should have been before the pandemic. Now you really need to have great security. And uh, there you know, most of the things that give you better security have a price tag associated with them. But the waves of attacks, I mean, think, think about all the unemployed technology people in all over the world who are going to turn to cybercrime, uh, ransomware, you name it, uh, to, make, to survive themselves. This is going to go way up. And so you're going to need a lot better security. IT staffing is another issue. There was a skills gap before the pandemic. There's a skills gap during the pandemic, and there will be a skills gap after the pandemic. You don't want to be laying off good IT people because that is a recipe for failure. The work from home thing is, uh, is something that hasn't been fully considered from an IT perspective. You want remote employees accessing the network through VPNs. But VPNs have maximum capacities. Even the Air Force has blown past this maximum capacity of 72,000 users. They are way beyond that now. And so they're scrambling to build capacity for VPNs. A lot of customer service is happening 
from home, and this is going through voice over IP, which is happening via VPN in some cases. And so this is this is also taxing. And here's the weirdest thing: I haven't I've heard almost nothing about this in the press, but it's it's the it's a massive point of failure for large organizations. So everybody sent all these people home. They're all working from home. Okay, what networks are they using? To do their work, they're using consumer broadband services, which everybody is using way more than they used to. So you have these consumer consumer networks that is that were provisioned so that people, you know, hardly anybody's using them during the day, and then at night everybody goes home and watches Netflix. Okay, that that's been working pretty well, and now a lot more people at home all the time using those networks. In Europe, the European Union has actually forced Netflix, Amazon, and YouTube to decrease the video quality in Europe of their videos because consumer broadband networks are being completely overtaxed. And so what's going to happen with your employees is beyond, is beyond your control, partly, if they're using those networks. And so one of the things you might want to think about is having a backup source of connectivity. Uh, you know, there, there, there are mobile broadband solutions that can be used if their consumer broadband to their house doesn't work. Mobile hotspots that, that can be provisioned to employees. You've got to start working on that now because... Uh, because it may be too late by the time, I mean, you know, if, if, if all your employees go offline, what happens if they can't connect or if the connectivity is so slow that they can barely function online, they can't have meetings, they can't interact with customers, they can't have calls, they can't do any of that stuff. What, what happens? You got to be ready for that. Another aspect is that, you know, people like me, uh, I've been working from home since 2004 Sheltering in place doesn't really change my life that much. I, I'm a you know digital nomad, so I'm living all over the world. But everywhere I go, I shelter in place and work all day by myself. In, you know, inside of a building of some kind. Um, but for many remote workers, they don't have the skills, inclinations, personality, or habits that you need to work from home successfully. It's actually working from home is a set of skills that you develop over time. So thrusting people who have always worked in an office, just sending them home and having them work all day from home, they are probably, many of them probably aren't coping that well. So they need training and education and other, other things. Like they need to be very thoroughly communicated with in order for them to function productively. Among the people working from home for the first time will be a lot of IT staff. And I think this is going to be permanent. Once people, I think once IT people get a taste of working from home, they're going to really, they're going to see how, how well it works. And uh, they're going to want to keep doing it after the pandemic. So I think IT is going to have a, you know, IT departments across the world are going to have a huge shift from, you just assume that IT people have to be on site to many of them don't have to be on site and can work from home. And if they can work from home, they can work from anywhere eventually. Another failure I see in a lot of companies is they haven't built the ability to communicate centrally. 
And what central communication means is you have a single message going out to everybody all the time about the things that they are concerned about. And this involves getting complete buy-in from the people who are uh, at the sea level, the leaders, managers, and the organization. They all have to be on board with the same message. You can't have one leader telling their people one thing and another leader telling their people a completely different or contradictory set of facts. You need a single set of facts. That's what central communication means and it, everybody needs to get the message and so you need a team to do this you need a cross silo team to organize what information needs to go out to everybody what that information is what the perspective is what the tone is all that stuff and then to send these messages out to everybody because all these work from home employees are going to feel completely at a loss and not know what's going on you can not only communicate information about the business the policies best practices and you know business information but you also need to be the source of information about the pandemic itself because if they're getting all their source for the news you don't know what news they're getting it from right they could be getting it from bad sources they could be pursuing rabbit holes of disinformation out there so you want to be the source of information to give the solid facts about exactly what's happening in the larger world about the coronavirus pandemic in order for your organization to survive this pandemic you're going to need luck but also a lot of skill and the skill has to take place right now. You need to set yourself up for success after the pandemic. And that means you need to get your ass in gear and make this stuff happen. And you have to show some leadership to overcome faulty thinking uh, around the coronavirus and around how your business deals with the downturn or your organization will not survive. Sorry, this podcast has been such a bummer, but this is the times. These are the times we live in, uh, and I'll be doing a lot more podcasts going forward, um, and uh, uh, covering other subjects uh, as well as this one uh, as we go forward. So, hang in there. Send me an email to mike at elgin.com if you have any questions or have anything you'd like me to talk about. And. Uh, I hope you are safe and well and that all of your family and friends are doing very well during this crisis. Mike Elgin Radio is a podcast without advertising, sponsorships, theme music, editing, production, a schedule, or a budget. Find all my stuff at elgin.com and thank you for listening.